I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. What's up? Oh, you know... The world is in a constant state of absolute chaos. I am managing the American experience very poorly at the moment, uh, but we are getting through. Um, I really like asking you what's up or how are you. It's always a good response. It's <laughs> it's always wordy. It's always descriptive. It's always very Keegan. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. You like, just said you're not handling the American experience very well right now. It's very beautiful. Are I'm here for it. Any of us? Like, no. Thi- I'm I'm gonna be wearing all black on the Fourth of July. I don't know about anybody else. I'm thinking about going to Joanne's and getting like some lace and a headband to make little veil or something. Like oh, that. Golly. Being more it is a wild time in these streets like the supreme court is just killing the planet just shit not everything killing abortion rights we've got our miranda rights were recently yeah what the fuck is up with that and something about the carry laws in new york as well yeah oh which we have not even touched on because everything everything has been on fire it's just flames how are we expected to talk about everything at once I can barely, I, I'm barely functioning. Yeah. And so if everybody else is also barely functioning, look, we're doing the best we can. If anyone else is in the fetal position whenever they're not doing anything else, like myself, I hear you. The American <laughs> urge to just power off like an 
overheated laptop. Like that is where I'm at. <laughs> like, like a laptop that was exploded by a cocktail. Rest in peace. I still don't have a computer. Anyways, <laughs> um, so we had originally planned on discussing this on last week's episode to kind of wrap up Pride Month. But I mean, we're still recording this in June. It's the last day of June we're yeah. recording this. So we're going to still celebrate Pride Month. And I think it is very timely as well because, you know, we were speaking last week about obviously the abortion bans and things like that. But Supreme Justice Clarence Thomas has also mentioned some other cases that he would like reviewed and so on and so forth. And a lot of our other rights are potentially going to be jeopardized. And so for me, what was supposed to be kind of like a celebration, solely a celebration and talking about how we finally got the rights for same-sex marriage, it is kind of, I feel like there's a bit of like a cloud hanging over this conversation as yeah. well because yeah. all of this is coming back into discussion. Yeah, I mean, we had decided to do this before Roe was overturned, had written all of our notes right. before Roe was overturned. So it was very timely in that way. And we will be mostly specifically talking about same-sex marriage in the United States. I do touch on some other countries. Uh, in fact, I did kind of want to s- kick off this conversation talking about the current state of marriage equality according to the Human Rights Campaign. So there are currently 31 countries where same-sex marriage is legal. Only 31, actually, which I'm kind of like, hmm, I feel like I feel like we tighten that up. You know it's what I mean? It's a small number. There's a, lot, there's a lot of countries in the world. So same-sex married couples in many countries do not share all the same rights and benefits as different sex married couples, such as the right to adoption. And in some countries, same-sex couples also experience additional restrictions. For example, in Taiwan, same-sex marriage is only available to Taiwanese citizens or a citizen of a foreign country that recognizes same-sex marriage who seeks to marry a Taiwanese citizen. So I say all that just to say that we are specifically going to be talking about same-sex marriage in the United States, and we realize that it does very wildly in other countries what that means and what that looks like, and that protections under the law are not always equal between same-sex partners and different sex married partners. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what I have started off in my notes, which I think is a a very large number. This was interesting to me, and I wonder if you read this getting ready for your wedding. There are 1,138 federal laws and protections that are bestowed upon married U.S. citizens, which include social security benefits, veteran benefits, health insurance, Medicaid, hospital visitations, estate taxes, retirement savings, pensions, family leave, and immigration law. And fun fact, did not know this. It was my birthday, July 9th, 2015, that married same-sex couples had the same equal access to all federal benefits that heterosexual marriages do. So... You're welcome. Um, (laughs) What I'm saying is, this was my doing. (laughs) Yes, it was on my birthday, so I did it. You're very, very It's very funny. I always feel the same way, too. Like, I claim whatever happened on my birthday, whether negative or positive. I mean, I share a birthday with Courtney Love and Amanda Knox, so do with that what you will. I share a birthday with Mr. Rogers, and I am (gasps) very proud. (laughs) That's an amazing one. I love that. Deeply proud. Never knew the man, but we have a cosmic connection. 
Because we're Oh, I have Tom Hanks. Born. There you go. He played Mr. Rogers. Oh, well, wow. look at that. <gasps> look at all, it all oh, ties look at that. together. He's oh, a cancer. Mr. Rogers is a Pisces. That's why they're so soft oh, and, and kind. And so empathetic <laughs> and mushy. Let's oh. not look at all the serial killers that are Pisces. Okay, moving okay, on. Okay, anyways, moving right along. But I did find it fascinating that it was 1,138 federal laws that are kind of bestowed upon you once you become married. I didn't realize, I, when you think about it, you're like, of course, like there's all of these benefits that you get to being married. And I think that that's really important to talk about because yes. the debate that I remember largely growing up as to why same-sex marriage shouldn't be a thing is like, well, why do they need marriage? Why do they have to have... Marriage is just a slip of paper. Exactly. And I think a lot of like, even, you know, heterosexual people will use that as like a reason to not get married, which is fine. But it's also not what you should be... You shouldn't be making that distinction for other people, first and foremost, because there is a lot behind marriage, not just on an emotional level, but when it comes to your relationship, but also when it comes to like a federal level and your taxes and your livelihood and things like that. There are a lot of things that make being married beneficial. Right. Or even being able to make decisions for your partner, you know, should you need a power of attorney or should they be in the hospital for one reason or another? Or that you are protected if something were to happen to your partner. You know, we're going to talk about Edith Windsor a little bit in this episode, which Keegan covered in a feminist faves during last year's Pride Month. But that was something that Edie went through. You know, her partner passed away and she wasn't given any of those rights that a married partner would get if their partner passed away. Yeah. So let's get a little bit into the history in the United States. So we first started seeing lawsuits pop up from people seeking legal recognition of same-sex relationships in the 1970s, most notably in 1970, just one year after the Stonewall riots, um, there was a law student, Richard Baker, and a librarian, James McConnell. They applied for a marriage license in Minnesota, but they were rejected because they were a same-sex couple, and a trial court then upheld this decision Baker and McConnell appealed, but the state Supreme Court affirmed the trial judge's decision in 1971 in Baker v. Nelson. They appealed again to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1972, but the Supreme Court declined to hear the case, quote, for want of a substantial federal question. Yeah. Which is such a weird thing to say like they're just like why are you even here yeah why do you need to know why are we doing this I believe it was Baker and McConnell I didn't write this all down but I remember reading somewhere in there that there was a name change situation so that like his name was changed in a way that they could get married because it looked like on their birth certificates but it was never like fully legal or anything like that but they like kind of tried to pull a fast one on them again I don't have anything written down but I remember reading about that and being like nice try I see what you did there yeah but you know of course they wanted to be recognized as a married couple and so they they took it as far as they could but unfortunately taking it to that level to the Supreme Court and then basically saying this isn't a federal question it led to courts blocking the ruling on same-sex marriage for decades and leaving which the is decision. so upsetting it's right. like oh we're really annoyed that you guys won't let this go so we're gonna block the whole thing down right yeah in federal courts at least yeah yeah and so they kind of left the decision up to the states which is what we love to do in this country we're yeah. like mm, it should be states rights what states about decision. the united states <laughs> yeah did we forget I feel like it's not super united you know what i mean <laughs> 
Um, That's an understatement. In 1973, Maryland became the first state to create a law that explicitly defines marriage as a union between a man and woman, and other states quickly followed suit. I love that so many states in the United States are just like lemmings. Like once one jumps over the cliff, they're like, bing, 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 bing. Well, and it's interesting because one of the first states including Virginia, Florida, and Wyoming, was actually California. California is an interesting case study as a whole. And we've discussed this on the show a lot because we're in our little, little, you know, L.A. liberal bubble. That was very difficult for me to say. Um, But you step outside of L.A. just a little bit and you are in what we would now call Trump country. You know what I mean? Like you're not really in that liberal bubble anymore. Yeah, any of the spaces between the cities. Yeah. Because... California is a huge space. Well, California is a huge state and there's a lot of space. Wide wide open spaces, as the chicks would say. Wide open spaces. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Can't mention chicks and not have me sing. Two days past. Okay, no, I'm done. But anyways, California (laughs) is interesting because there is such a like vast difference in the beliefs of the people that live here. So California, I saw it described in one article, seesawed on the decision of same sex marriage a lot from the 1970s until, you know, 2015 when it was finally legalized. Sometimes they were on the side of same sex marriage. Sometimes they were very much not on the side of same sex marriage. I think people oftentimes think about California especially in the 60s and 70s as being this very you know free love kind of like hippie nation and while that's true this is a very small percentage well and a very small area I should say outside of that there was a I read a lot about this because I, I went down this rabbit hole there was a huge intersection between the hippie movement and evangelical Christianity yes you know um, so there was a it was really weird because the, like the, well, the hippies raised the fears I can understand why like the evangelical Christians would be clutching their pearls at what the hippies are doing which would then in fact raise their well, movement they, they started like preaching on beaches and changing elements of Christianity to make it like cool and surfer culture. Right, right. Uh, so it was like, it was like love, but like Jesus is love and became like this whole, like there was a big overlap between like yeah. um, evangelical Christianity and like hippie culture in California, specifically in like the 60s and 70s, which is really weird. But I do wonder if that contributed at all to you know kind of those more conservative feelings on totally. things like this yeah well because it's interesting it's interesting because like the next th- there wasn't a lot that went on in the 70s and 80s when it came to same-sex marriage rights there were within you know the cases that were appealing over and over again and things like that but the next thing that I have in my notes is that in 1989 the San Francisco Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance that allowed same-sex couples and unmarried straight couples to register for domestic partnership so that was kind of a step in the right direction yeah coming out of California but it was very San Francisco specific yeah I mean and we start seeing changes happening in the late 1980s in large part because of the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. Mm. So that started presenting issues like you were saying um, earlier about all these like protections for married couples. It started it started presenting a lot of issues. Because I mean, I think people, about hospital visitations exactly, a lot with that one. People were getting sick and their partners were not able to visit them or make decisions on their behalf or um, get any of those, I, I hesitate to say benefits, but death benefits basically yeah. um, that you would get with somebody who you were married to for 20 years, you know, just because you, you, you don't have that slip of paper, it doesn't negate how important your relationship with that person was. And Definitely. so that started, you know, 
the issues of like inheritance, death benefits and visitation and all that stuff started yeah. bringing the idea of same sex marriage kind of more front of mind. Well, and domestic partnership did to give you some of those rights, not all of them, but they did give you the right of what I've written as survivorship, which I think would give you some sort of marital benefits upon their death, hospital visitation. But again, this varies even between jurisdictions, not just states, because this was a San Francisco Board of Supervisors ordinance. It wasn't like this was happening everywhere, but at least in San Francisco in the late 80s, which I'm sure was absolutely devastated by the AIDS crisis. At least then it, it looks like they were giving they were giving same-sex couples the right to hospital visitation. So they couldn't give the right for them to marry. At least there was domestic partnership, which isn't what you want, but at least in a time where you want to be able to see your loved ones. I can see where that would make a big difference in people's lives. Yeah, it offers a little bit of security. And that same year in 1989, New York's highest court ruled that two homosexual men qualified as a family for the purposes of New York City's rent control regulations. Mm. Um, and gay and lesbian activists began to be more vocal about this topic, really ramping up in 1989, like heading into the 1990s, which I think is just such a kind of strange concept to think about because not long ago no like not long ago at all you were, you were born in 89 or i was 90? born in 90 okay max was born at the very end of 89 so i always kind of think about it in terms of that where it's like and especially thinking about the fact that it wasn't fully legalized till 2015 that seems like fucking yesterday it practically was you know what i mean but yeah. all of this stuff this isn't like long ago history this is all very very current and i also think that it's fascinating you know there there were those cases that we mentioned that happened shortly after Stonewall, but it really did take a while. And I feel like it took a couple really major movements in the LGBTQ community, such as Stonewall and the AIDS epidemic, to kind of start that buzz and the outspokenness about same-sex marriage. Because yeah. I think that it was like discussed and it was meaningful to a lot of people, but I feel like it wasn't discussed in like a public setting or in a broader setting until we started reaching the 90s. Yeah, the 90s and really into the 2000s because when I look back on it, it's strange to think about now because once same-sex marriage was legalized, I really feel like... In my head, I just filled in that like, yes, it's always been here, like, obviously. But if I look back on my childhood, you know, in the 2000s, this conversation was rampant. Like I grew yeah. up in a household that was watching Fox News all the time. So this like marriage is between one man and one woman conversation was something that was happening all the time. And the fear around the potential legalization of same sex marriage in evangelical Christian circles um, or very conservative circles was real and it was talked about a lot. Yeah. And so it's kind of wild to me that I block that out of my memory. Well, I mean, another thing that I just thought about is how revolutionary Modern Family was for yeah. having like two married men on the show that adopted a child and that was seen as like very cutting edge, very progressive, and then very they're shortly pushing after. Their, they're pushing their lifestyle down our throat. Exactly, it was that kind right? of rhetoric was being said about that But then like that after sort of that, thing. all these other shows came out that were very similar. And yes. you know, that kind of opened the door for more and more of those shows, I feel like. But Modern Family didn't happen that long ago. You know what I mean? And that was something, I remember that show coming out and the hubbub surrounding the gay couple on that show and the fact they were adopting a baby and all of that. Which just, that it wasn't just that long ago. feels... 
It's bizarre. It just feels bizarre because it really wasn't long ago at Mm. all, but it feels like something that belongs 50 years ago. Like it's such a weird thing to think about. I, you know, I don't even look, I look at how far we've come in terms of like the level of comprehension that we have about sexuality. It's like, no wonder I didn't ever want to have that conversation because there, there wasn't any way for me to have the conversation no. about my sexuality, especially because I liked guys. You know what I mean? So it, like, it's just fascinating for me to think about the massive leaps that we've made in such a short amount of time and how quickly we could so easily jump back and lose oh, everything. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I mean, I but, like the, but the good thing is, and this is what I, I will say about that is because we did make that progress because it became something that was just like, well, yeah, duh. Like we can't you know, undo that. You can like, you can like anyone you want, you know, you can be with anyone you want. Um, even though of course there were always people who said otherwise, but because it has become so commonplace, you know, I look at so many Gen Z people or anytime I'm on TikTok, it is not even like really a question, <laughs> like in, in terms of just most people are like, yeah, I would date anyone or it's not even a thought. So I don't think that that mentality can necessarily go back. Like you can take the rights away and you yeah. can take the laws away and you can change those things, but you can't people's undo minds have been transformed in a way. You know what I mean? That makes it even more fucked up because then we're like imprisoned because we know so much yeah, and but, we can't act upon it. But you will fight harder. True. because I, I think you will because... We didn't know, like you and I didn't know, like in our teens, because it wasn't something that was commonplace. It wasn't presented to us. It wasn't represented. We weren't seeing a lot of people talking about it. If we were, it was a joke. So many like TV shows and movies um, had same sex couples. As two a men and line. a baby or, you know, right. even two and a half men, I think of as being like a bit homophobic in a way. And, and so we were, oh, two and a half men is horrible. I mean, for a lot of reasons, yeah. but like just like the concept of it yeah two guys raising a kid I don't know I think it made us more complacent is what I'm trying to say yeah because like it was seen as commonplace in our culture and in our society that like of course that's that's a joke of course that's abnormal that's outside of the norm of course it is where we've moved into a place now where we believe and we know that it is normal yeah it's perfectly normal I mean we we, even used the word gay to make things to be like that's so gay that's so weird right I mean like even the way that we've changed our language around Uh that word is so I don't think we're gonna be as complacent this time yeah right like it's terrible of course like we're gonna well, have the to fight evils for are rights. more obvious because you're yeah. educated yes. that's the thing that's fucked up it's like the fact that you can take so much away and that's what we feel about the abortion issue right now it's like you are educated we have the technology we have all of these things so why are we choosing to go back in time exactly to when we exactly. had less yes yes whatever yes. uh Okay, so back on our timeline. By the 1990s, civil unions existed for same-sex couples in many states across the country, although not in every state. But this, again, like we said, did not provide the same number of benefits that marriage would. And at a federal level, couples were denied access to the more than 1,000 federal rights and responsibilities associated with marriage. So conservatives knew that this issue was going to become more and more relevant. We were becoming more and more progressive. People were speaking out a lot more about this issue. 
So Gary Brower, the head of the Socially Conservative Family Research Council, predicted at the end of the 80s that it would be a, quote, major battleground in the 1990s. Mm. And he was definitely right. The subject, hate to say it. Hate to say it. Well, I mean. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. We love to hate, say it. But. I just hate to say that anybody who's shitty says anything right. The end. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that it had to be a battleground. Like, we, that's really, the thing. Like, we like, need to go to not, war about this. Exactly. Not saying that this is going to be the next change, positive change to our country. Instead, they're saying this is going to be the next battleground. So mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. Yes. So the subject of same-sex marriage became increasingly prominent in U.S. politics following the 1993 Hawaii Supreme Court decision. Yes. In- this judge really did his best to do the right thing. Yeah. I feel like he tried. It's, it's a very disheartening story. So initially, the judge ruled that the state hadn't proper, properly argued why same-sex couples shouldn't marry. And even if they had argued that, they failed to prove that the statute in the state was made to avoid same-sex marriage. So with that, the judge issued marriage licenses to any same-sex couples that applied for it, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, he said it was unconstitutional. Yeah, like, they he were was like, like no. no, there's nothing in here that says that you can't do it. And I had a hard time. I Googled this in every different verbiage that I could, and I couldn't really find any concrete answer. But it wasn't until November 1998 that Hawaii voters approved an amendment to the state constitution, which allowed the state to, quote, reserve marriage for opposite sex couples. So I don't know if that means that within 1993 and 1998, there were a number of same-sex marriages or at least same-sex engagements. I'm not quite sure exactly when the judge handed down his decision that it was unconstitutional. So I'm not really sure what the gap was there. But I I do wonder if there was an influx of marriages at the time in Hawaii between those years. There definitely was in 1993, but it was because I have it in my notes later, it was definitely dismantled again um, prior to 1998. So it wasn't just those five years. There was... There were other things going on that was dismantling it. So 1993 was when it was kind of like, okay. Yes. So that decision in Hawaii in 1993 prompted a lot of concern, of course, among social conservatives. And it was met by actions at both the federal and state level to restrict marriage to male-female couples. And most notably to come out of this was DOMA, Doma. which is the Defense of Marriage Act. So thanks, Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. What a piece of shit. Well, yes. I mean, Bill Clinton did pass it, but... I mean, Bill Bill Clinton's just a piece of shit in general was more what I was getting at. Yeah, well, of course, yeah, He's a piece of shit. Um, DOMA was introduced by Republican Congressman Bob Barr and Senator Don Nichols. The law would allow states to deny recognition of same-sex marriages conducted by other states. So that, yeah, this is what happened. So DOMA passed. So in 1993, we had that law in Hawaii. I think this is how it went. Wait, when was DOMA passed? 1995? So there was a couple of years in there leading up to DOMA. Okay, that makes sense. Right, yeah, because DOMA basically said that on a national level, we're going to say no matter what the states decide, it's a no from us, dog. Yes. Is what Zoma said. And I believe also it also stated that any marriage recognized by a state was not recognized by other states as well. So like at the time, if you were married in Hawaii and you were to go to Oklahoma, your marriage wouldn't. Right. Hold or up. yeah, if you were married in one state, you might be considered married in that state. But for national 
federal benefits you couldn't qualify so that would include like insurance benefits for government employees social security survivors benefits immigration bankruptcy and filing of joint tax returns it also excluded same-sex spouses from the scope of laws protecting families of federal officers laws evaluating financial aid eligibility and federal ethics laws applicable to opposite sex spouses so it was basically Maybe within the state, you would continue to have rights at a state level as a married couple, but But outside of the state, federally, you would not be recognized and you would not be eligible to receive any of those federal benefits that you would if you were a married couple. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I read as well, one of the other benefits that wouldn't be given during this time would be... um, sponsorship for immigration benefits which is something I have a lot of friends that are from other countries and that have like married to stay here and things like that like through love not for like green card reasons but that's something that I thought about a lot and that's another thing would to be like if an American fell in love with a Canadian or anything like that those immigration benefits would not be bestowed to that partner either right yep So DOMA passed both houses of Congress by large veto-proof majorities with opposition coming from approximately one-third of the Democratic caucus in both the House of Representatives and the Senate. So Bill Clinton did criticize the law, like mouth service. He said that the law was divisive and unnecessary, but nonetheless, because it passed in the Congress. He decided um, to sign it. He signed. I, th- I mean, can you as president, I know nothing. Can you if you don't agree with something? Is it like gun to your head? You have to well, do this, this because they the, voted on this. This says it was veto proof. OK, so I do think that there are. In fact, I know from Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> I'm just a bill. I'm only a bill uh, that there. Seriously, I. You're laughing, but that's true. That's where I got this knowledge. I know. Um, just the way you said it oh, so seriously. It's like you're not doing the schoolhouse rock thing. You're just like, I'm a bill. I'm only a bill. So, duh. So, I know for a fact that there are instances when a president can veto a bill. But like executive power, right? I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Are, I know nothing. But it does say <laughs> veto proof. So, I'm taking this source's... <laughs> word for it that he couldn't overturn it um and he did criticize it but nevertheless he did sign it into law in september of 1996 so this was obviously a massive setback for marriage equality but in good news around three months later there was a judge in hawaii who ordered the state to stop denying licenses to same-sex couples so at some point thank you hawaii for getting your shit together at least a little bit hawaii is bouncing back and forth like they're they're bouncing around but like you said unfortunately for those couples um it was short-lived because in 1998 voters in hawaii approved a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage in the state so there are judges coming in being like nah it's unconstitutional but the people don't agree with it which sucks which is yeah bonkers just what's wrong with us wow i haven't haven't said bonkers on this podcast in a long time it's been a minute but it's just i just again i feel like i end up saying this every other episode but it's just like who has the time to be this worked up about what somebody else does. I agree. Who cares? Who cares? Imagine caring this much. I can't. Because I, I can't. already care a lot about a lot of other things. I can't imagine caring this much about what other people are doing in the privacy of their own homes. If it is not hurting anybody, I can't imagine. Yeah, like who even, like 
even if you're just like, I don't get it. It's like, okay, then don't. Then you don't have to live it. Right? Exactly. It doesn't affect you at all. Not your circus, you not your monkeys. just have to come away being like, well, I just don't like looking at it. And it's yeah. like, what? Or it's, well, I think the big argument too that is still an argument today, obviously, is like the brainwashing of our children. Or now the big word is grooming. The grooming of our children that by legalizing same-sex marriage is saying it's okay, which then is going to have more same-sex marriages. Children are going to be witnessing this, and, think that that's an okay. I and, know, I know. But in their minds, it's perpetuating this traditional family value, the way that they feel safe and comfortable because it's how it's always been. The fact that we're making it more and more normalized scares them because I don't know if that makes them think that their marriage is less valid because other people are allowed to marry I mean I I can't imagine what the mental gymnastics these people do are but I can I can see I see what 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 they were thinking because we're still dealing with it today I mean the fact that they're we're worried about creating more gay people in the world you know I I was just saying on the mini episode that like I understand the mentality of very religious people. So when I say very religious, I mean very Christian people. So if we're talking about that perspective, that makes more sense to me because from a religious perspective, you were put on this earth to multiply God's kingdom. Right. And that's the thing is that our laws also, it banned sexual acts in the home that were not there for procreation. You know what I mean? Like the government has always wanted so much control over our bodies and what we do in the privacy of our own homes. Right. So from a religious perspective, I'm like, okay, maybe that's a concern. But just there are lots of people who are not religious who are extremely homophobic and want to prevent people from starting families with people of the same sex. To those people, I say that's your goddamn problem and maybe you should talk to a professional about that instead of blaming it on other people. That's your either I don't want to say internalized homophobia in a way that's like people who are closeted are like homophobic like that's not what I mean but it's like what is going on with you that's making you have this reaction about another person's existence yeah it's very weird that's it's your truly, problem it's, not theirs it's, and it's weird like to care this much about what anybody does in the bedroom is weird yeah right like I don't want to tell you it's just I don't want to know for the most part. Like, I'll leave I, like, it up to your imagination. Strange. <laughs> so the next thing that I have in my notes, and this is something that was threatened or has the potential to be threatened, and yeah. that is Lawrence v. Texas. Yes. So in 2003, there was a landmark decision in the case of Lawrence v. Texas, and it struck down sodomy laws in the state of Texas as unconstitutional. Again, this is 2003. I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, gay sex is okay. What? <laughs> like, we're in the new millennium. Yeah. Has happened. I, and yet we're still teaching that sex is only for procreation. Okay. All right. Um, the court reaffirmed the concept of a right to privacy that earlier cases such as Roe v. Wade had found the U.S. Constitution provides, even though it's not explicitly said in the Constitution. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that, go back and listen to our Roe v. Wade episode where we talk about that. But essentially, it is the belief, and this makes perfect sense, that when it was written into the Constitution that we have a right to privacy, that that extends to the sex acts that we do in our own homes. Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah, that should be something that is protected as a private 
act. It's like a duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think so. So the court based its ruling on the notions of personal autonomy to define one's own relationships and of American traditions of non-interference with private sexual decisions between consenting adults. Again, duh? Like, duh? duh. Like, yeah. what, a, what, a, what, a, what a weird thing to even have to be like, we should make a law where saying that's okay. It's like, yeah. duh. <laughs> it's crazy that there was a law to say that's not okay. To me, that's even more preposterous that we well, have to exactly. turn back to like turn back that law that said it wasn't okay for you Precisely. to do what you want in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, okay. that, that's what I mean is like, why are we even this made it to the Supreme Court? Yeah, we had to take this to the highest court in the land. What are we doing, people? It's embarrassing. Do you know, have no frankly. time for anything else. It's embarrassing. We <sighs> should be ashamed. I know. Well, also in 2003, on Max's 14th birthday, November 18th, 2003, birthdays everywhere in this episode, um, the Massachusetts Supreme Court stated that excluding same-sex couples from marriage is unconstitutional. Those who were against the decision offered that they create a civil union system like Vermont had done, but Senate President Robert Travaglini Travaglini said he thought quote the strength of the language and depth of the decision showed that marriage and no substitute is the wish of the court so it was finally being acknowledged at least that these civil unions domestic partnerships there is no there is no not excuse what's the word I'm looking for there's no replacement for marriage yeah and just we don't want to take your crumbs anymore like we don't want to take we don't want to say thank you for the crumbs that fall from the table that we're just like down there scooping up anymore. Like why, why should we just be grateful that you've given us this thing? Like, Oh, that's good enough. Isn't it? Like you have, you know, civil unions, like what's the problem? That's good enough. President George W. Bush responded to the decision saying, quote, activist judges have begun redefining marriage by court order without regard for the will of the people and their elected representatives on an issue of such great consequence the people's voice must be heard if judges insist on forcing their arbitrary will upon people the only alternative left to the people would be the constitutional process our nation must defend the sanctity of marriage okay i have some thoughts (laughs) you do (laughs) i why do the people get to decide who other people marry. Exactly. That to me, the people should have a say in something as important as people's individual freedom. Because like, it, it almost sounds like he's siding with us for a second in the way, in what he's saying until he makes it clear that he's coveting the sanctity of marriage. You know what I mean? Because it almost kind of sounds like he's saying, yeah, people have the right, you know what I mean? To like choose what they well, do. It, what, what he's saying there is that judges shouldn't arbitrarily be making decisions. So if we take what we were just talking about with Hawaii into yeah. account, right? Where these judges are, are coming forward and, and judging these cases and they're saying, yeah, no, this is unconstitutional. It, you know, you have a right to privacy within your relationships. You have a right to marry who you want. And then the people, sure, of Hawaii came forward and said, actually, we would like to vote on that. And we say no. And what Bush is saying is that that's how it should go, is that judges shouldn't be able to say this is unconstitutional and strike it down. It should be up to the people. It should be be up to to the people to make those decisions. But what I'm saying is there are lots of things that I think we, the people, should have a say in. Yeah. Right? Most things, I think, about the way that our country runs. What we shouldn't get to have a say on is who anybody is in a relationship with as long as it is two consenting adult human beings who both choose to be in a relationship. Yeah. 
we don't actually get to have a say on that. No. And why should we? Yeah, just and I as know, we wouldn't have any say in what heterosexual couples are together. We shouldn't have a say in anyone else who Even marries. if we think it's really fucking dumb if they get married. There are lots of couples who are heterosexual couples that I know who I'm like big question mark about whether you should get married or people who get married very spontaneously or for a short period of time or whatever you think that those people are respecting the sanctity Sanctity of of marriage marriage. that's a great point you think that you know people who get married eight times but they're in heterosexual marriages every single time they're respecting the sanctity of marriage in your book I don't care what people do exactly like go get married 50 times as many times as you want but if you're gonna be so conservative and picky about the sanctity of marriage and have that be your talking point then you have to be so picky about everything else what makes it different why haven't we put limitations if we can put limitations on who can marry who based on sex and gender why haven't we put limitations on how many times you can get divorced why haven't we put limitations on that because you know that's the sanctity of marriage it's in the bible you shouldn't get divorced unless it's under these very specific circumstances Keegan is fired I'm up. just it just doesn't make it, it doesn't just, make any the sense. logic isn't logicking I don't understand <laughs> right like I'm just like it's illogical explain yourselves why please. are we making these kinds of arguments well, and Bush can just ugh, choke I mean he's said so many things that are so anti-LGBTQ but then he was like photographed at a gay wedding a few years ago but he's never come forward and support since he said a lot of really horrible things. So it's messy. You all know I'm not a fan of George W. Bush. Should we take a brief break? Yes, let's take a break and we will be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And we're back. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some activists, uh, particularly black activists that were a really big part of the civil rights movement that had begun to show their support during the early 2000s. One of those was Coretta Scott King, who expressed her support for same-sex marriage and publicly denounced attempts to define marriage as, quote, the union of a man and a woman as, quote, gay bashing. 
In 2007, another civil rights hero, Mildred Loving, one part of Loving and Mm -hmm. Loving v. Virginia, as we discussed, uh, stated at the 40th anniversary of her landmark case describing same-sex marriage as akin to interracial marriage, saying, I believe all Americans, no matter their race, no matter their sex, no matter their sexual orientation, should have the same freedom to marry. The NAACP put out a statement in 2009 saying that, quote, gay rights are civil rights, firmly planting their support for marriage equality. And this is something that I always like to bring up because I don't think any movement can truly be as strong as it needs to be on its own. I think it's when you start to, you know, we always talk about intersectionality. Once you open up to other people and they're willing to show their support for your cause, to me, that's when it really shows the the broad scope of what these kinds of things do. Like the fact that there were all of these civil rights heroes that fought so hard for something that was so necessary and the fact that they're able to see that they can be of help for this next generation and this next movement, it really warms my heart, especially yeah. having the backing of people that I look up to a lot. I think it meant a lot to a lot of people to have Coretta Scott King and Mildred Loving oh, come forward and with their support. And the NAACP as yeah, an huge. organization and to, to call put it, its weight behind it like that yeah. is huge, especially because, you know, there is a lot in my personal experience, there is a lot of homophobia in the African-American community because there's so much, you know, toxic masculinity that exists within that community for a lot of reasons that we can we can go into. But I think um, they can see where a right is being taken away. Even like, that's where you kind of put aside your own personal issues sometimes and you say this is unconstitutional. Well, and who's to say that it's even their personal issues, but right. it, it is to say that like the NAACP as an organization that represents this group of people that might have these particular biases um, in large number that them saying, no, we stand behind this. It does allow other people to open their minds, you know, within that community. And referring to it as civil rights, I think gave it a lot of validity as well, because I don't think that the LGBTQ community as a whole has been taken all that seriously throughout its history. So I think that the backing that it had also gave it a lot of legitimacy as well. Yeah. I mean, and also again, with intersectionality, there are, of course, people who are both black and members of the LGBTQ of community. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is it is something that like it's not one or the other. And you should be able to recognize that human rights are human rights. Exactly. Period. And we should not have a say in what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So the year after Lawrence v. Texas, which, by the way, did not only strike down sodomy laws in Texas, um, but it also invalidated sodomy laws in 13 other states in 2003, making same-sex sexual activity legal in every U.S. territory. In 2003. Yeah. Yeah. The following year, in 2004, in May of 2004, Massachusetts became the first U.S. state and the sixth jurisdiction in the world to legalize same-sex marriage. Way to go, massholes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a little like, oh, wow, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Like, Look at you, girl. Not, not California, not New York. Massachusetts, way to go. I'm here for you. Three cheers. Um, and this was following the Supreme Judicial Court's decision in Goodridge v. Department of Public Health six months earlier, which held that the Massachusetts Constitution requires the state to legally recognize same-sex marriage. So while this was an obvious win in the fight for marriage equality, 
As with the Hawaii decision, it provoked a reaction from opponents that resulted in further restrictions being written into (sighs) many state statutes and legislation. So we see this all the time when it comes to civil rights. It's like one step forward, one step back, you know, like that's kind of always how this goes. And you just have to wait until there's like a big push. It's why you have to just keep pushing and keep fighting. So that same year, 10 typically conservative states, along with Oregon, enacted state level bans on gay marriage. Kansas and Texas were next in 2005. And 2006 saw seven more states passing constitutional amendments against gay marriage. So making legalizing it in Massachusetts had a huge like bounce back yeah yeah, rubber band effect on all of these states yeah and it was in 2008 that proposition 8 was passed in California which was a proposition for a state constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage it was eventually overturned and ruled unconstitutional by a federal court in 2010 although it didn't go into effect until June 2013 because there were so many appeals but um, do you remember what was the shirt I had it was at American Apparel and it said legalize gay on it and there's like a million different color options do you remember these shirts I don't remember really no. oh they were like every celebrity was wearing them and I remember I really wanted one of these shirts and we had like one American apparel near me and I remember going and get at a red shirt with the purple lettering that said legalized gay on it and I felt so like edgy so cool <laughs> I, I remember wearing it like in Sun Valley Idaho and I would go like skating and stuff like that was American apparel's town. whole vibe oh, like they were just like so. we're cool and extremely problematic um yeah exactly but it was but there was they had these shirts and like the a lot of the funds toward those shirts went toward proposition mm-hmm. eight and all that yeah, kind of I mean, stuff so I'm like that was such a huge especially like that was I moved here in 2010 like when yes that that's was what overturned. I was gonna say is like we were living here which is totally weird a weird thing to, but I remember to think about. being in Minnesota and like being aware of proposition eight and seeing all the commercials wearing the t-shirts being very very aware of it and very very for overturning it and then remembering moving to California and having it be I think it was either like right before I moved here or like the year that I moved here that it was overturned but for me that's like the first like big memory I have where I felt like I was sort of the conversation in some way shape or form yeah Um, I think it had to have been slightly after that because I feel like I was here maybe and I didn't move here until 2011 but it says it was overturned in 2010 but it didn't go into effect until 2013 because there were so many appeals that's what I'm thinking of yeah so it it was overturned but there was still so much going on with it that it wasn't like legalized that's what it is because I remembered like I remembered all those all the celebrities had the duct tape that was like no hate no hate yeah yeah with the eight on it yes oh my gosh wow Right? What a time. Again, wasn't that fucking long ago. It, it really was Either that or I'm just really old now. <laughs> In November of 2012, Maine, Maryland, and Washington became the first states to legalize same-sex marriage through popular vote. Same-sex marriage had been legalized in the District of Columbia and 21 Native American tribal na- tribal nations as well at that time so we are you know you can see it we're picking up steam and then we should talk about the united states versus windsor which who's that 
listen, we have a whole episode. You can go back and listen to the life of Edith Windsor, which is incredible. Um, Who was her lovely, I can't remember if it was her second wife. Her or second was, wife reached out to us. What was her name again? She was so sweet. I, I cannot remember. I'm so <sighs> sorry. But her second wife uh, did reach out to us on Instagram oh, after sent our us episode. so many sweet things. Very, very lovely. Very lovely. Uh, So the foundations of DOMA had finally begun to crumble in the late 2000s, but the real hammer fell with United States v. Windsor. So in 2007, there was a lesbian couple, Edith Windsor and Thea Spire. I talk a lot about their relationship in that episode, and they got married in Ontario, Canada. They had been together for a long, long time since they were young women and then had lived together for a very long time. And I do believe also Thea had a disability as well. Um, So that was part of why they wanted to get married in the first place and and all that stuff. Of course, they also were madly in love with each other. Of course, because you want to get married to the person you love. Yes. So they did finally get married in Canada. The state of New York recognized their marriage, but the federal government, thanks to DOMA, did not. On a federal level, it was not recognized. So when Thea died in 2009, she left her estate to Edie. But since the couple's marriage was not federally recognized, Edie did not qualify for tax exemption as a surviving spouse. And the government imposed $363,000 in state taxes yeah. and she was like absolutely I can't do that not. well and she'd been with this woman her whole adult life yeah. she was married to this woman her marriage was recognized by the state of New York so she sued the government in 2010 and a few months later the attorney general announced that Barack Obama's administration would no longer defend DOMA again this is when Obama is president leaving a representative of the bipartisan legal advisory group of the House of Representatives to take on the case. They were like, okay, this is getting a lot of traction, a lot of attention. We've got the president saying, I'm not defending DOMA anymore, so we need to take a look at this. Right. So in 2012, the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that DOMA violates the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause, and the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear arguments for the case. The following year, the court ruled in favor of Windsor, and this basically struck down Section 3 of DOMA. So I do yeah. also want to say this is another one, like this one, and then also what we're going to talk about, I think, next, which is Oberfell. Um, Oberfell are ones that are um, in the running to potentially be overturned after the Roe decision. Exactly. So let's talk about Obergefell. I've been saying Obergefell, but then I heard Obergefell somewhere. So I apologize if I'm saying the name wrong. I think I, I've heard it both ways. That's it's what not I'm saying. Just you. I've been yeah. saying Obergefell, but then I was listening to something the other day where they said Obergefell. And so I'm like, sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Um, but that case hit the Supreme Court in June of 2015, where they ruled that the fundamental fundamental right to marry is guaranteed to same-sex couples by both the due process clause and the equal protection clause. So essentially what this means is that it required all 50 states to recognize same-sex marriages on the same terms and conditions as heterosexual marriages. To take it one step further, that same year, the definition of spouse was changed in the Family Medical Leave Act of 1993 to include employees in a same-sex marriage. John Lewis actually said something after this decision of this case came out saying, races don't fall in love, genders don't fall in love, people fall in love. John Lewis. Thank you, John Lewis. Uh, we also, ha- we've been doing this show for so long. I'm like, we have an episode on him too, if you want to go. 
Check that out. Uh, Year 10 of our podcast, we're not even going to talk about topics. We're just going to refer them back to old episodes. Exactly. Precisely. That's the goal. There's the ultimate dream. Oh, my God. Most boring episode of all time. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So with the United States of you, Windsor, and with Oberfell, essentially, we were on the road to full marriage equality being attained. With conservative justice Anthony Kennedy siding with justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan in favor of same-sex marriage rights, ultimately making gay marriage legal across the nation in June of 2015. That is one year before Trump took office. That was seven years ago, June 2015. (laughs) Yeah. By this time, it was still outlawed in only 13 states and more than 20 other countries had already legalized gay marriage, starting with the Netherlands in December of 2000. Chile became the most recent country to legalize same-sex marriage in December of 2021. Wow. Yes. So a Pew Research Center poll in 2001 found that 57% of Americans opposed same-sex marriage and only 35% supported it. What? 15 years later, in 2016, a Pew poll found that almost the complete opposite was the case. Thank God. Americans supported same-sex marriage by a margin of 55% to 37%. I mean, that still seems still, low. I was going to say that still seems very, very low. It's yes. very much not my reality at all. So that does kind of surprise it's, me. It's but not mine either in any way. Like, not just in California, because I have spent pretty considerable chunks of time yeah. in, in the Midwest. Like, even a lot of my conservative family, I feel like, is, like, fine with gay marriage. Yeah, I mean... I listen, haven't asked them, though. I have a <laughs> lot of conservative family members who would say that they still believe that same-sex marriage is right. a sin. However, my my cousin just married... A, who is a woman just married a woman See, and this my is family the thing. all went it, but like, this is the thing is that it, it sucks to say this but it's the same thing we say with men that are like I have a daughter and things like that but sometimes as shitty as it is it takes a person actually knowing a human being and knowing them as a person to realize that being different than you doesn't mean that you're bad or but you wrong. know what's weird though is that even though they all went to the wedding that's what I mean is like I feel like if they were cho- if they had to vote on a poll, they would say that they were opposed to it. Right. Like, talking about these, but numbers, they love the person. But they love the person. They went to the wedding, like those kinds of things. So I think that we don't necessarily feel it in our day to day lives. Right. Now, it's still really fucked up, and I've had conversations. I think that's with, a pretty big wake up call. Yeah, I've had family members with. I mean, family members. I've had conversations with my family members where I'm just like, I, but why though yeah. and it's usually pointed back to well because the bible says Jesus. so yeah that's usually what it comes comes down to yeah. i love i love your cousin but you know and i'll go to but her she's wedding living and, in sin and, she, and she's happy and i'm happy for her but jesus is usually what it comes down yeah to. well and i wanted to mention something as well because a lot of the reason for being against gay marriage you know there were a lot of people that were like you can't raise a child in that kind of household or it's abnormal it's not natural and um i 
wrote down a quote somewhere that says countless professional organizations have stated scientific evidence that, quote, homosexuality is a natural, normal human sexuality. Sexual orientation is not a choice. Gay couples Mm -hmm. form stable and committed relationships that are equivalent to heterosexual relationships. Same-sex parents are no less capable and children of same-sex parents fare just as well or better than opposite sex couples which in my notes I wrote parentheticals lol or better than which makes sense because you know when we think about our parents and our parents well-being when it comes to divorce marriage all those kinds of things a parent who is happy is going to help create happy children so if you are in a loving household that has two parents of the same sex that's more important than having a man and a woman be together and miserable raising their child. Right. I can speak from experience. A- absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I think that this is relevant, especially with everything that's going on with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and um, the potential for forced pregnancies and forced birth that is yeah. absolutely going to happen. With all of the hurdles that we have put in place as a country to try and prevent same-sex couples from having families, from having children, it means that oftentimes those that do seek to have families and have children really want those children and really want to have those families. And those are the people that are being turned away because stigma has perceived them as being dangerous. You know, I mean, it it just doesn't make sense because (laughs) you're what, what we then see. So, I mean, when we're looking at that phrasing of, some, uh, you know, they're as happy or happier. Children are as happy or happier than they would be in heterosexual families or, you know. Right. It's how many people do you know personally? Because I know a lot who ended up staying in relationships with people that were not good for them in toxic relationships because they accidentally got pregnant and, and started they a family for the and they kid. stayed together and now they have a miserable family and an unhappy child. And you know, I just got to say right here, don't stay together for the kid. The kid does not want you to stay together. The kid wants you to do what's going to make yourself happy and healthy and be able to show a strong positive example for them for their future. And that doesn't matter what sex or gender or sexual orientation your parents are. Yes. That only depends on the physical and mental health of the parent. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that that's the most important thing to remember but there really was this danger I mean there was so much horrible stigma around especially gay men being pedophiles I mean just such awful lies that have been spread through history yeah and when it comes to particularly gay men but there was also the San Antonio four was um, a group of lesbian women that were um, sent to prison for life for allegedly murdering a young girl. I believe he was like their niece, but they were, it's kind of like the t- uh, West Memphis three or the five, what are they? The Central, Central Park, Park five. five. Yeah. It's similar to that where they were kind of these scapegoats because they were lesbians and they were like, they had these perverted orgies with this child. And it really, there was so much in the media that was creating the stigma that it was unhealthy for children to be raised in same sex households and things like that so the fact that that's changed so much as well and that there is so much scientific scientific evidence and polls and things like that that have actually shown us how much better off children and families are when we're taking care of ourselves and each other you know what I mean I think there's so much pressure with marriage that we put on ourselves where it's like it has to be forever but I think that as long as you're happy 
you know, each day that you wake up in the morning, you continue to make that choice to love and be with that person. That works until you decide it doesn't work anymore, you know, and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So I did want to very quickly point out because this is something that happened very recently. Um, At the time I wrote my notes, I wrote that it was literally two days ago, but now it was probably a A week week and two two days days ago. ago. Um, that a court in Japan voted to uphold a ban on same-sex marriage in the country. And this really came as a surprise to me because I see Japan as being this very progressive, modern country. Right. Uh, The court ruled that the ban on same-sex marriage is not unconstitutional, and an Osaka district court dismissed a lawsuit in which three same-sex couples were seeking compensation from the government um, of 1 million yen, which is only about $7,400. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's not that much. But it I'm used like, to be more, didn't it? I don't Did know, it? but I'm like, your your lawsuit is only for 8K? Like, I feel like yen used to be like one of the highest. Like, I have no idea. Can't speak uh, on it. Don't know. <laughs> again, pea brain. <laughs> um, but it was about $7,400 per person, arguing the lack of recognition of same-sex marriages violated their constitutional right to equality. But the court sided with the government, ruling that under the Constitution, the definition of marriage did not extend to partnerships between people of the same gender. Um, Japan remains the only of the G7 countries to not recognize either same-sex civil unions or same-sex marriage at a national level. Wow. They do, in some parts of the country, issue partnership certificates that grant some rights, um, allowing them to rent properties and to have hospital visitation. But I just found that, I, one, I found that so wild because I do think of Japan as being this very progressive nation. Right, yeah. But then, two, I also wanted to kind of close with that and also the fact that the Human Rights Campaign has a full list of countries where homosexuality is She's outlawed. For me and it's a long list. And it is a very long list. And the reason why, even though this is not the most uplifting thing to end on, but I wanted to end on that. This is prior again to the Roe decision where those rights at least to um, do whatever you want in the bedroom with whoever you want and also marry whoever you want in this country could potentially be taken away from us. That across the country, we are nowhere or across the world, we are nowhere even close to done in terms of equality for all people (laughs) and allowing them to um, live as they choose and love as they choose and with whom they choose. Yeah. Uh, So I just, it's all definitely been a wake up call. Like you said, I think that we've all felt pretty cushy with a lot of our rights when it comes to this stuff. And now that we're feeling it become jeopardized, it does, it does make the issue seem a lot bigger than it did even a week ago, you know? So yeah, absolutely. (sighs) Well, happy pride month, everybody. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about this earlier in the week, the fact that we did not do a coming out episode this year. I apologize. Our schedules did not permit it. We didn't plan well. So I apologize. I don't think we did last year either, though. We did because I came out. Oh, that's right. Duh. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Nope, we didn't. This is our first year or maybe we did skip one other year in there I can't remember but we did have a listener that reached out and asked if we were taking the stories and I was like we're not but I mean like send it if you want like that's totally fine but no we're not we didn't do a coming out episode this year which I apologize we'll get our shit together for next year I promise because we're doing this show for the next like 98 years right (laughs) maybe (laughs) 
listen uh I also did want to point out this episode is coming out on uh, 4th of July. Oh, God. Will you be wearing your best funeral uh, garb? I mean, I will be at the pool, but that's a normal day off for me. I live poolside. I might have to text you and see if you're available. I think I'm off on the 4th and I might need a pool to jump into. Yeah, I I mean, I'm next to a body of water at all times. Essentially, that's my I'm, I'm a fishy. That's my life. Uh, I miss having a pool. God damn. Well, now we're just getting way off topic. We, we are. <laughs> I did want to say at the end of this episode, I meant to say it on the mini as well. And I'll say it next week on the mini for as long as I run this um, drive. Yes. But I am again collecting menstrual care products and hygiene care products for our unhoused neighbors here in Los Angeles. I would love to be able to extend this program should I ever have the time and energy to do so. And also depending on how well um, these drives go every year. I mean, last last year year was amazing. Last year was amazing. We were able to fill uh, like 150 bags. There were a lot of bags. Yeah, there was about 150 kits that we were able to fill and donate to the Los Angeles housing um, service I can't remember exactly their name right off the top of my head we know what you mean uh and to a then, good place and then we were also able to donate a lot of boxes of unopened supplies as well so if you have bags that you would like to donate you can dm us on our instagram or find me personally or if you would like to contribute I'm so sorry it's an amazon wish list I don't want to give more money to daddy bezos it's not what I want to do but it was just it's the, the best way to go about doing I tr- it I asked I was like you is did. there another way I remember you way? asking is there a better way to do this yeah. but this is the only way we got right now um, I wanted to say it before I forget we should add that to the link in our bio on our page yes so you can go to the link we'll, we'll update the link in our bio on our Instagram it's also in the link currently in my bio if and you follow me your on Instagram, Instagram it is Keegan.Winfield if you follow me there you can go um, find it there but we never push our own personal Instagrams you know it's it's for the best there's nothing on you there's <laughs> I know my Instagram especially my stories is just a stream of consciousness in my brain like I don't think people even care what I post but I post anyway. I post a lot to my stories but same I really post like maybe once every two weeks on my main page and more often than not it's me in a pool it's me in a body of water or you with your nice camera posed or or that but i haven't even done that as much lately yeah oh man well please go to keegan's instagram go to our link in our bio go check it out donate if you can it is a pretty amazing thing that you're doing it went so well last year i would love for nothing but the same amount of success this year so let's help her out um, if you want to send us a suggestion for a topic for the future or any news stories you want us to cover, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, if you haven't done so already, please go over to your Apple Podcast app and leave us a positive five-star review. It means the world to us, and it brightens our day. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.